This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 78, Yoga and Your Menstrual Cycle. Did you know that you can optimize your life by living in accordance with your cycle, just like we do with any other rhythm that exists in nature? Well, for this episode, I sat down with Mia Tarduno. Mia is a yoga teacher, she's certified in trauma-informed yoga, and she's a certified life coach. Her mission is to connect people with their natural state of being to restore balance in their health, their lifestyle, work, and relationships. She focuses her work on women's health using mentorship, yoga, rituals, gathering, and menstrual cycle awareness to help them through the seasons of life. If you like this podcast, you can continue to get inspired and learn even more with a Patreon subscription. As a member, you get early access to regular episode, a ton of exclusive audio and video content, and the ability to request the exact kind of episode you need to continue to deepen your practice. This subscription is on Patreon, so you can also contribute to the community. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that enables fans like you to support creators like me in sharing everything that yoga has to offer to the world. Sounds good? Well, if it does, visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat and become a premium member. At the same time, you're supporting me in the creation and the production of this podcast, so I really, really appreciate your support. One more thing before we get to today's episode, I am so, so, so excited to let you know that I just launched my brand new website. I am beyond proud of what I've done and there's so much good stuff on there for you. So I really hope you go and check it out at ericabelanger.com. All right, ready? Let's get to our episode of today with Mia. Hi, Mia. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. So wonderful to be here with you. So Mia, for listeners that don't know you, can we start by you telling us a bit about yourself and your yoga journey? Yes, absolutely. So I have been practicing yoga for about 12 years and teaching for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. I found yoga in college, actually, amongst uh, many people who I felt like were looking for ways to numb um, their kind of experience of living. And I was really looking for a way to go deeper. So I found my first teacher at that point. And when I was 19, um, she told me that because I had started this practice early in life, it would really carry me through a lot of the seasons of the ups and downs in my life. And it has done exactly that. So I felt like yoga has really been there for me through burnout and heartbreak and loss of purpose and finding my purpose again and all of the ups and downs in between. Um, So since then, I have done trainings in Iyengar yoga was my first 200 hour. Um, I've been through uh, some restorative yoga teacher trainings through a 300 hour that was based in uh, women's health. It was called a sex, death and wealth informed training. I like that name. (laughs) Yeah, we can can get more into that if you want. Um, And just recently did another training in women's health as well. So that's kind of brought me to the work I'm doing around yoga and women's health today. Mm -hmm. And so what part of this big bucket, why did you decide to focus some of your work either on the women's health in general, but I know you work particularly with how to use yoga with um, balancing hormones and menstrual cycle. So why has that been important or interesting to you to focus on? Yeah, absolutely. I felt like a lot of puzzle pieces were put together for me 
when I had a teacher, Bex Tyler, who, who explained the menstrual cycle as a woman's inner yoga. Mm. And to me, that made so much sense because as you observe the fluctuations of the body, of the hormones, and this naturally occurring cycle that we already have in our bodies, it is a deeply spiritual practice. So when I work in this way, there's a naturally ingrained structure of svadhyaya. You are looking into the deeper practices and phases of the cycle and meditation will naturally occur in those. So to me, it was really interesting that I felt like I had started kind of working through yoga in this linear way. And I felt like there were kind of the phases of you work through the yamas and niyamas, and then you work through the asana, and then you start to get into meditation and deeper states. And it felt very linear to me at first. And then when I started studying women and the cycles that we naturally go through, I started to find that there were places in our cycles where these things naturally occur. So there are phases that, um, focus is a lot easier and we can be really driven and focused in certain areas. And then there are other phases of the cycle where it's a lot more expansive and there's kind of this thinner veil between the spiritual. So these deeper states of meditation can naturally occur. So to me, working in this way, it it is yoga. And so I felt like working with the menstrual cycle and the phases of womanhood is yoga itself. I've never thought of it like that. That's really interesting. <laughs> so we'll come back to the phases and the physiology of this whole thing, but how is it important to live in accordance with the cycle or why should we pay attention? What's, what's there? Yeah. So when I teach this, I teach cycles from a macro stage. So we're looking at like a life cycle all the way down to a very, very inner cycle. Um, so what that means is we can start looking at cycles of our lives. So as women, we have four different stages of life that we go through. So we're, we're kind of born and we're in this, they call like a maiden stage of life. We're, we're learning things, experiencing things. We move into a mothering stage mm -hmm. of life, um, which could be either actual children or ideas or businesses, things that we're growing and putting out into the world. Then we move into a stage of coming back into ourselves, which can be letting go of those projects. Um, it can be kind of the time when we go through menopause. So that can be a phase during that cycle. And then we experience the crone stage or the, like the wise woman stage. So those are kind of the, the big um, phases of life. And then we can kind of zoom in. So we have our monthly cycles, which we can follow the moon. We can follow our menstrual cycle. And we can talk a little bit more about that when we go into to the actual phases of the cycle. And then we can start to look at our week and our days. Mm. And in the microcosm, I think of working with our cycle as in working with the breath. So what I mean by that is we have an inhale, there's a little pause, we have an exhale, and there's a little pause. So in our lives, this is what we're doing, whether we're looking at the whole stages of being a woman, whether we're looking at a month, a week, we have this naturally occurring rising of energy and then decrease of energy. And we experience this in yoga too, right? We have like a, a rising of a pose, and then a decrease of the pose. And there's always this continual birth and death of the breath of our poses. 
And so when we expand that naturally into our lives, we can start to live in accordance so we can understand how our hormones, our moods, our interests, our desires for connection, um, our general energy levels will change. And when we start to work with that, we can prevent things like burnout or Mm -hmm. our loss of purpose because we're living in this way that's naturally occurring inside our bodies. So it's following our own rhythm, but a bit more consciously. Yes, absolutely. So instead of following an external rhythm, uh, when we're supposed to show up in a certain way or on a certain timeline, and instead of saying what works for our hormones, what's working for our cycle, and then we can kind of optimize those cycles of creativity, productivity, connections with others when we're working in that way. Okay. So before we get into what part are you, you know, being more creative or more, all of these things, can we go over the basic things we should know about our cycle? Just starting with what is the process, what's happening (laughs) during the cycle? Yeah. So we have four different phases of a menstrual cycle. So for some of us, that's a really new concept. Some of us think of we're either bleeding or we're not. Yes. (laughs) So there's actually four different stages. So the first one is menstruation. So the time we're actually bleeding, our hormones are really low at this time. And then as our hormones start to increase again, we go into a pre-ovulatory phase. And so our hormones are starting to rise, especially estrogen, which can bring us new ideas and new expression during this time. And that lasts for about two weeks, depending on people's natural schedules. Then we go into the ovulation phase. At that point, hormones are at their highest. So energy levels might be at the highest at that point as well. And then we go into this phase of premenstrual. Some of us know this phase well. (laughs) (laughs) And during that time, our hormones dip really quickly. So that's when we can start to feel things like emotions coming up or that things that didn't feel as stressful during ovulation maybe now feel really stressful. And so our hormones dip again and we kind of retreat. All of these hormones actually start in our brain in the pineal gland, which is actually affected by light. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how we can also be connected to the moon. And when there's more light outside and we can dig a little bit deeper into that too, Um, but also why in our culture now we may feel a little off if we constantly have artificial light on and our, our brains don't exactly know what time of the month is darker and what time of the month is lighter. That's kind of how we, we were synced up in a time of living in more accordance to the moon. So the pineal gland will trigger the rest of the endocrine system to talk to the ovaries who will produce these hormones of estrogen and progesterone to bring us through the monthly cycle. That is fascinating. I actually had no clue about that. All right. So then if we want to observe, right, we want to like notice our cycle, know where we are in which phase we are, then is it important for us to know what the hormones are doing so then we can act according to that? I would say it's even more important to know what your body's doing. Um, So there's something called the red rule, which is something that um, it comes up in the book Wild Power, 
which is a really great resource if you're interested in digging deeper into this work. And um, the authors, Alexandra Pope and Shawnee, will talk about the red rule, which basically means we can talk about the hormones. I can tell you what happens with a lot of women. However, everyone experiences them different. Mm -hmm. So for example, for some people during ovulation, when the hormones are really high, that can feel super exciting. Mm. And maybe they feel like they can really take on everything. They want to do all of the projects and they can do all of their errands. They can be bothered by anyone. It doesn't matter. They just feel like they can really take on everything. For some women, that feels super overwhelming. Mm. So for those who are more comfortable, maybe in a different phase. And so they also kind of talk about finding home in your phases. Um, but for some people, that stimulation, if they're already energetic, can feel like way too much and they actually need to take some resting time during that phase. So I would say, yes, knowing the hormones can be very helpful. It can be very validating for some women to say, I feel so tired today. Why do I feel so tired? And instead of beating ourselves up, say, my hormones are crashing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course I'm tired. And so that can be really validating, but also to understand that everyone experiences them a little bit differently. So knowing your cycle and your patterns is most important. Okay, so we have a phase where we're a lot more energetic. We have a phase where we might be feeling a lot heavier and we can notice those things. And the in-between parts, how does it translate energetically other than just being kind of more excited, more open to create or more tired and a bit less motivated? How energetically are we changing and how can we affect that in turn? If it's energy, then we have total or a good amount of control over what's going on in return. Absolutely. So the best way that I like to explain this is using the four seasons of the year. So if you're familiar or living in a place where there are four different seasons of the year, and this is why I love this as well, because now we're just talking about the same cycles, but in a year circle. Mm -hmm. So in that menstruation would be related to the season of winter. So our energy is low. Our attention is drawn inwards. This is when kind of that veil between the spirituality and reality can come pretty thin. The right side and left side of our brain are actually more wired during this time. So a lot of women like to use this time for things like deeper meditation practices, journaling. It may just feel more natural to sit. Mm -hmm. Like introspection and... Yeah. And then moving into pre-ovulation, that's related to the spring. So that's when our creativity can really bubble up. So a lot of women might experience that as like ideas are kind of just popping up out of nowhere. Um, it's related to our, when we talk about the life cycles, again, that, that maiden cycle, our uh, kind of younger selves. So it might feel more fun, more playful. We might be able to brush off things easier. So if we get criticisms, it's like, oh, whatever. Um, and then moving into ovulation is related to our summer. So that's where we kind of talked about it can be super exciting. It's like that energy of get out, talk to everyone, um, do the gatherings when we can, um, <laughs> be around people, be expressive. Um, and then moving into premenstrual is related to the autumn season. So we're starting to come inwards again. We're starting to reflect. We're starting to say, oh, what happened during that part of 
this cycle and how can I relate to things now? And so when we're using these cycles in our lives, for example, if we were creating or working on um, businesses, I like to use that analogy, we can kind of think of what part of those cycles can be helpful when we're analyzing a business. So menstruation might be our resting time or analyzing, using that wisdom of the time to really think kind of big picture. And plan. plan. And plan, yeah. So it's our time of planting seeds too. And then pre-ovulation is like our ideas. So if people seem really stuck and they just need some more kind of creative freedom, we can say like, wait until pre-ovulation, just see what kind of might bubble up. Ovulation can be a really good time for being out and expressive. So if there are big projects, presentations, um, times when you want to interact with people, that can be a really good time to kind of hone in that energy. And then pre-menstrual is kind of the time of the critic. And in our culture, we, we kind of shy away from this period of times, whether it's in our life or in the month, but we kind of turn away from it. We're like, we don't really know what's going on. There's like a little edginess. We don't really understand there. There can be a lot of discomfort. However, what's happening is a lot of that introspection during this time. And so something that may have been working in the past couple of weeks, women may be a little bit more tuned into what's actually going on underneath the surface during this time. So it can be the time, say, using the business analogy to kind of look at that and say, mm, you know, this stuff is really in alignment with what we're doing. This stuff is really not. And they're a little bit no BS during this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or during ovulation, we might want to sugarcoat things. Premenstrual is like, Mm-mm, nope, yes to that, no to that, done. <laughs> Are you able to plan your life around that? Like, do you actually take a calendar and be like, okay, this week I'm going to do all the creative stuff, the content, the this and that. This week I'm going to rest. And do you plan really your business and your personal life around it? I do to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of the big things that I can plan. So when I want to be talking to people, um, if I'm recording videos or if I'm teaching classes, I try my best to put those kind of bigger events around ovulation time for myself or even pre-ovulation for me has a little bit more energy personally. And then, yes, when I go into pre-menstrual phase, I'll kind of start to look at things um, in a little more critical eye of what's happening and reflecting. And then I actually try to take a couple of days off during my menstrual cycle Um, one, because I feel like that's a really nice way to honor the cycle. And two, because I've noticed my brain is just super fuzzy during that time. So instead Mm. of trying to force, like, how do I kind of feel really logistical during this time? Or how do I have this intense conversation? I just don't. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. So if people want to start to live more in accordance, what's the first step for them to take? I would say tracking your cycle is the first step in that. Um, so for me, I, I've tried the apps and, and if that works for listeners, that's, that, that can be a beautiful thing. Um, what I found most effective is to get a really cheap notebook and to write the days on the top of one page per day. So it'll say day one, the next day we'll say day two. And then to write the month. So it would say, you know, day one, January. And I would just write a sentence or two. 
And this is where you can really use that power as a woman to decide what you want to track as well. So if it is building a business, maybe you're tracking things that way. If you are a parent and you want to track your energy when when you're feeling more up to playing with your kids or doing errands, just having that kind of thing tracked. Um, For some people, it's relationships. When is the best time to have deeper conversations? When do you need to push that a couple of days? So you can kind of write that stuff. And then after a couple of months, you'll have a page of three to four months in a row. And that can be just absolutely mind-blowing. So all your day ones are at the same place. Yes, exactly. Ah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I find to be most helpful to just see kind of in a row, um, especially if patterns are coming up during the cycle. So if there are days where you are feeling very low energy, if there's days where you are feeling very self-critical, body image issues are a thing that comes up a lot. And then tracking these to say, oh, huh, every day 13, I seem to not like how my body looks. How interesting that two days later, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how, how are those patterns just continuing to flow throughout the month? And as we see those patterns, we can kind of step away a little bit and be like, oh, I'm feeling like this today, but it's to be expected. Let's not make like a bigger deal of the situation that it is. I'll feel better tomorrow, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And being able to honor that if there's a day where you're feeling low. Today is not when I go bikini shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Maybe just wait a couple days and then maybe it'll be great. Um, Yeah. Little, little and really big things like that. Um, The relationship piece and having conversations has been absolutely life-changing for a lot of women, knowing when to have those intense conversations with a partner or family member and when to say, I just, I need to wait a week or a couple of days, and then I'll be able to have this conversation and maybe not feel so emotionally pulled. But if, if that's kind of forced, it might not work so well. And what happens in that tracking if we're irregular? Well, a really cool magic of it is a lot of times tracking will help with irregularity. Hmm. So part of bringing that awareness into the cycle helps your brain, your endocrine system work together to say, okay, these are the times when I'm going to honor this. I have a lot of energy right now. I'm going to do some big workouts. I'm going to do a hard vinyasa flow class. I'm going to honor this extra energy that I have. And then during these times of rest, I'm going to take times off. I'm going to do some restorative yoga. I'm going to take days off of work if I can. And then as we start to pattern that, Mm. it start to regulate itself. It's like you're prompting your body. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It kind of works like like jet lag a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's really interesting is a lot of the things that will come up during a premenstrual time that are not as desirable are very similar to those things of jet lag. Hmm. So So things like irritability, not being able to sleep well, maybe digestive issues. And so we're kind of, yeah, bringing our body back into regulation of what that's like to, when we work with jet lag, right? We have to wake up anyway (laughs) and, and kind of bring our body back into those cycles. And then even if we don't want to rest, we need to rest and then bringing it back into what it's like to, to work with that cycle. Mm -hmm. And if we're taking birth control, whether it's like the pill or you have 
an IUD, then your cycle might not be quite as natural as it would be. Is it still interesting, worth tracking and observing? And what can we do from that information? Because it might be less, I don't know, clear or... Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. And you can absolutely track when you are on a hormonal birth control. Your hormones won't be cycling in the same way. Um, but it doesn't mean that as a woman, you're not experiencing a cycle. So something that some women like to do is actually to use the moon cycle. So the moon cycle, again, we have another, another cycle within a cycle. But when we're tracking using the moon, the full moon is related to ovulation. The new moon is related to menstruation. So if you're looking at a moon charter, you can... You can search, uh, you know, when the next new moon is, and that will be your day one. And then you work from there. And then a typical moon cycle is about 29 and a half days. And so you can start using that cycle. And what I've experienced with working with students and clients with this before is after a couple months, you may start to realize when your days shift. So if you're doing that practice with a journal And you may have the days on top of, of the pages and you may start to realize like, oh, actually, I think my day eight was actually my day one. That's actually the day I need to start resting and going inwards. So you can kind of work with it um, in that way. And then also just noticing when your natural rise and fall of energy is. Um, so going back to the red rule of every woman experiences that different. And some women who are on hormonal birth control don't feel so much of those fluctuations. Sometimes they still do, but tracking can absolutely help with that. And living in accordance to having cycles where you're doing more and, and bringing more into the world and then cycles where you're resting will help with things like energy, digestion, sleep, regardless of, of if you're on a hormonal birth control or not. Okay, that's super useful. Um, you mentioned certain choices of practices. So can we talk a little bit more about yoga and how can yoga support us through the cycle? And what kind of practices might serve our body better in different phases or with precise goal, like to release pain, let's say, or I'm sure you have mm -hmm. some tips on there. Yeah, absolutely. So the beautiful thing is that we can actually practice cycle awareness on our mat to begin with. So we talked a little bit about the breath, just noticing that there's an inhale and a rise of energy, a pause, and then a fall of energy, and then an emptiness. Mm -hmm. So we can start noticing that as we go throughout a yoga practice, we also notice the birth and death of every cycle and every pose. For specific types of yoga, what I recommend is noticing what you're needing when you step onto your mat. And not only that, but being radically present during your entire practice. So for example, what that may look like is stepping onto your mat and saying, I'm feeling really tired today. I think it's going to be a restorative yoga practice kind of day. So you mm -hmm. get all your props and your pillows and all of your things and you set yourself up. And maybe a pose or two later, you're like, I'm feeling so much energy coming up. I feel like I just need to do something else. And then honoring what that's like. Mm. So then maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's a more vigorous practice. 
But practicing in this way, I find is so incredibly radical because as teachers, as students, a lot of times we come in with a plan. So say we want to practice inversions that day. We're like, okay, I know all of my preparatory poses to get to open up the areas in my body that need to be opened to strengthen the areas. And then we're going we're gonna to work on these couple inversions. However, especially in an, your own practice, in a home practice, how can you honor what's actually happening in your body? And where is that practice of an inversion, say, coming from an ego state of you want to be able to do an inversion versus what your body's needing? Some days it may totally want to practice handstands, and that's awesome. But some days you may be halfway through this inversion practice and you're like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. So in doing that, that is honoring this cycle, honoring that we can have these rises and falls, even throughout a yoga practice, we may have just done an entire sun salutation and felt great. And then the next one, we're like, I don't actually want to do this right now. <gasps> I'm just going to stay laying on my belly for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And how radical is that to really practice in that way? So in general, a lot of my students and clients will kind of work on doing more vigorous kind of strength building practices during a pre-ovulation, ovulation time. We will work on a bit slower, but possibly more physically challenging practice during um, pre-menstruation. And that can be to let out frustrations and emotions <laughs> that are coming up. You know, hold, hold a plank for 10 breaths and they're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. but it might need to come out. Um, and then really honoring the menstrual phase with a lot of yin and restorative practices. Again, with that caveat of maybe partway through it needs to change and something else needs to come up. Mm-hmm. So that's a very <laughs> and very if you broad. practice that on your own and you get accustomed to listening and to changing, then you get into a class or online with the class right now, but you have more ability to modify for yourself, even though the class is led by someone else that doesn't know what you need right now. But you can decide at that point to skip a part, to kind of double up on a part, or you can make those decisions to really serve yourself too. So it's continuing to help you. Yes, absolutely. And I tell this advice to teachers as well, because for some of us, we'll take personally when we notice students are changing partway through class or needing something. And especially in group situations, that can be hard to kind of sense, oh, is everyone getting tired? Do I need to kind of change what I'm doing? Is everyone falling asleep? Do I need to pick this up a little bit? Mm-hmm. But if we work in this way, how can we honor like, wow, that person just decided to lay down. That is beautiful. Like, that's awesome. You are, you are doing what you need to do instead of kind of feeling that as a teacher that you need to change anything. Really, it's, it's empowering the students to be able to know their own cycles and know when, when it's a no for them, when they need to do 10 extra push-ups, when you're trying to slow the class down, but maybe that's what they needed right then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you talked about how the moon is related to menstruation. And I mean, in the etymology, they're actually pretty close. Or, um, so, and you talked about how the new moon and the full moon associated with part of the cycle. Do you think as a teacher, we should consider and plan, like if we're planning over a month, consider a bit more vigorous practices around a certain 
you know, part of the month and then a bit less or a bit more, you know, long holdings or kind of going into this general matching with the moon cycle? I think you absolutely could. However, so many cycles are in different places right now. Um, I would love to live in this beautiful community where we're all cycling with the moon, but it's just not the case for the way that we are currently living right now. So it can be beautiful in the way that you may be attuning your students to even knowing what's happening in nature. And that can just be a beautiful practice on its own, bringing yoga back to the places of connecting with the world. And that's what we're doing with these mm-hmm. mental cycle practices as well. However, noticing that maybe you're teaching a restorative class on the new moon and someone might be ovulating. But again, that's where as a teacher, you may notice, okay, you know, how can I give this person support and empowerment to do some more vigorous practices if they need to, even though we're saying we wanted to do a calming restorative practice. Mm -hmm. However, we can do them into that and say, you know, this, this was a time, this may still be a time for some where you may be on your menstrual bleed. And for that, I will be offering a restorative practice. And then if you're needing something else, I can offer some more things as we go. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to think about like this really big picture. Um, you talked about honoring our cycle a lot. And I think that's something culturally we're not necessarily thought to do or even encouraged to do like if we compare I know in some history cultures like a menstruating menstruating woman was considered sacred and powerful and like with increased psychic abilities and you know strong to heal the sick like all sorts of myth and legends around around there but I think today there's a lot of negativity that is linked to it whether it's like from being unclean unpure or like dangerous even (laughs) I've seen or something to be ashamed of there's really that part culturally that comes in I find and even just thinking like the first thing you're being told as a woman on your first cycle is usually I'm sorry (laughs) like I'm sorry for you this is gonna suck you know like it's it's really presented as a thing that is not great and so I wanted to ask you how can we shift towards that honoring how can we shift our perspective in general and then even more when we are struggling when it is painful when it is physically challenging for us so how do we honor and celebrate and switch that mental pattern yeah well until you and I change the world (laughs) (laughs) one podcast at a time yes um so we know as yoga students and teachers that turning away from our discomfort doesn't make it go away. Mm. And that's a really good practice for working with menstruation because you're right. It is absolutely counterculture to honor yourself during not only your bleed time, but during all of these phases to to have the courage to show up in a different way Mm. every single day, possibly when we're in a culture that's very used to us wanting to show up in the same way every day. And usually that's bright and shiny and smiling. (laughs) So what I'd say about that is the celebration of the menstrual cycle is not meant to be had in a silo. However, right now, a lot of that courage does happen from these little tiny acts throughout the day. So maybe for you, taking a huge step is talking to your partner about, I'm on a period right now. 
I actually need some help with grocery shopping or cooking dinner, or I really need some silence this afternoon. That would really help me. Um, maybe it's talking to your family. Maybe it's mentioning it to coworkers. And so in these little ways, we can start to bring this up. It's not something that needs to be so silenced and repressed and shamed. And I also have a couple of suggestions. I have actually a four-step process mm-hmm. for honoring the cycle. Please share this with us. <laughs> so the first one we talked about a bit is tracking. And so why that's really important is because it can help us to know when our cycle might be coming. And that may fluctuate. Some of us have more irregularity than others, but we can start to know things that we've, we've discussed before about, I have a lot of energy right now. I don't have a lot of energy. Or if my period's coming up, how can I make a space that's going to be more conducive to honoring this part of the cycle? So tracking it. Two is preparing. So things that we can do to prepare are making meals ahead of time. Um, We can talk to the people we're in relationship with about what we need and then making some space in our schedules. And that might look like for some people taking complete vacation days, it may look like, hey, five minutes is what I can do this morning. So depending on your schedule, so so preparing for it. Mm Third is making it a ritual. Hmm. And this one can really change our psychology around menstruation because for a lot of people, I actually really enjoy talking to older women about this who have been through menopause and her like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that's over. (laughs) I'm like, what if every time that came up, it was a ritual? And so some examples are lighting some candles. It could be red candles having red fabrics around. If you're watching on video, I have a, a red scarf behind me. I'm wearing red. Um, listening to music. There are certain playlists that I like listening to during that time. Certain books. Um, drinking raspberry leaf tea. So things like this that can also almost make it kind of exciting. You're like, ooh, that time's coming up. Let me make sure I have my tea and my books that I like and my journals. So that even if it is an uncomfortable time, some of us do have pain during that time, a lot of times by just allowing the body to rest, it can really help with pain. And so making it a ritual. And then the fourth is savoring rest, which can be a really, really radical thing for some of us. It can be so challenging. <laughs> Super challenging. A lot of us don't know what to do with ourselves mm-hmm. with extra time and rest. Um So another book suggestion I have is Moon Time by Lucy Pierce. And she writes a beautiful list of things to do when you're not supposed to be doing anything. Mm, That's good. (laughs) Um, Things like journaling and she has some guided meditations and things for, for those who knows that our body needs to rest, but might be more on the type A side of wanting to feel productive and needing to do things. So, so those are my suggestions for honoring that time. That's really good. Thank you. That's super helpful. All right. Before we wrap this up, is there anything you want to add? Is, if there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with today, what would that be? My takeaway would be that your cycles as a woman are not wrong. You are not broken. 
and you deserve to be celebrated for the body that you're in. And each time you decide to celebrate your cyclical nature, instead of ignoring it or wishing it away, you're breaking hundreds of years of patterning and reclaiming what it is to be a woman. So it's a really big job. That's, that's really good. It's a good way to finish. So I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously, but in the meantime, where is the best place for people to find you if they want to know more, they want to study with you, or they just want to say hello? Yeah. So you can find all of my material on my website, movecreateradiate.com. Um, it is also the same on Instagram and Facebook. But on my website, there are some courses. There's a bunch of blog posts with a lot of the information that we talked about that just goes through what is the cycle, how to live in accordance to the moon, what is living with your cycle even mean. So if any listeners want to go back through that, I have a lot of blog posts on there. And then all of my contact information is on the website as well. Perfect. Can you say the name of the website one more time? Yes, movecreateradiate.com. Great. I think for a second there, the sound went like, Ning. so I just wanted to make sure that people can hear it well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. That was very interesting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at On and Off Your Mac Podcast as we revisit every single episode since the beginning. Visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content and give back to the community. Check out the show notes for more info about our guest of today. You can find that on my website, ericabelanger.com. You'll also find my top five biggest takeaways from this episode with me at Arduino today. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to Alexander Saba, working in the background, creates music, edits, and e-masters this episode. All right. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.